Father, as we turn our attention uh, to the scripture today, we ask that you would, um, Lord, that your spirit would guide us. May you illuminate this text that we would have understanding. We pray, Father, that uh, it wouldn't just be words on the page or a familiar story, uh, but that you would help us to, to see uh, the intensity of that which happened here, um, that you would help us to see your calling in our life. Father, we do pray um, that if there's areas in our heart that we are, uh, have cordoned you out of, uh, that you would break down the walls of our heart. Lord, we pray that you would uh, help us, Lord, to open our minds and hearts to you, um, that we would grow closer to you and stronger in our obedience of following you. We love you, Lord. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. As he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. Father, we do thank you for the story. We ask that you would guide us now, and it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right, so Mark says a lot in very few words. Um, as we look at the story, the, the calling of these four individuals, I want to sort of refresh our minds of, of how we got here. Um, last week we looked at verses 14 and 15, which is known sort of as the summary statement uh, for the first eight chapters of Mark. There we read that Jesus entered, entered the Galilee region, which we have, I've sort of zoomed in on the map. Um, so the blue section, if you can tell it's blue, that's the Galilee region. So it's really easy to confuse the Galilee region with the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is within the Galilee region, but Jesus has made his way north up to this, this region of, of the Galilee. He's from Nazareth, if you can see it. The story will sort of end at Capernaum, which is on the northwest side of the shoreline. Um, we were told uh, last week that, that something new was happening, that, that there was a, a shift um, in the message of the scriptures. Uh, that John the Baptist was an Old Testament prophet who wandered onto the pages of the New Testament. When his mission and his time was completed, it was as if he handed the baton uh, to Jesus, so that Jesus could go forth with the good news. Um, I'd like to go to the Gospel of Mark. If you would go over there, it's uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Yeah. Oh, I was just helping people get there. Matthew, Mark, Luke is how you get there. So, so it's Luke. It's the next. It's like go eat popcorn for Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. These are little clues to help us, for me, to, to navigate people there. So we're going to the Gospel of Luke. Um, save your spot one book over, because we're going we're gonna to look at Luke's account in chapter 5. But I want to start at, at chapter 4, and sort of looking at last week, 
the splash Jesus made. So Luke, when he makes this account of Jesus returning to the the Galilee region, he first goes to his hometown of Nazareth. And so in Luke chapter 4, verse 14 through 21, uh, Jesus enters into the synagogue. Um, We know that Jesus is about 30 years old at this point in history. You can just, while we're here, if you were to go back up to uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 23, we're told by Luke that during this, this window, Jesus is about 30 years old. It's when a rabbi would get his start. And so it's the beginning of his ministry. It's when uh, a, a young Jewish boy that was able to progress down the ranks of, of the religious track, uh, that's when they would begin their ministry. And so in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, we read, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, And news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. You're never respected in your hometown. Uh, As soon as I find my place, we'll get there. We'll we'll continue. Uh, Power of the Spirit, through surrounding news about him spread. 16, there we go. He came to Nazareth, thank you, uh, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up and read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. Now, this is, this is not Jesus didn't find this place. They would have their scheduled readings, and they came up to him with the scroll. This is your scheduled reading. This is how, who the teacher would teach from. And so he gets to Isaiah where it's written, and he reads verse 18 for us. Um, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And all of the eyes and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So he, effect, he effectively dropped the microphone like, Booyah, like, <laughs> it's come. This is huge. This is a, 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 a seismic shift in what God is doing through history. They understood it. Some of them were wow, but ultimately where the story goes is they wanted to kill him right away. And so they tried to throw him off of the precipice. For those of you who are going to Israel, Israel will go to this mountain peak and look at this spot. But, but the reaction was, this is blasphemy because what he just did is he claimed to be the Messiah. And so this is how his ministry began in the Sea of Galilee. Um, back to Mark from last week. Um, we're told that he preached that the kingdom of God was at hand. The king had come, and if the king is present, then the kingdom and the king are intrinsically united together. So as the king was amongst them, the kingdom was presently with them. And then he said that you are to repent and to believe these imperatives that were active, ongoing, that they were uh, to repent, to change their thinking towards God, to change their thinking towards how they were living their life, that they were to believe or trust in Christ as the Messiah. And so if last week's theme was about salvation or about the good news, this week 
is about the call of discipleship. And so we read the first verse as he was going along the Sea of Galilee. So he'd made his way up to the region. He'd, he'd come into this, the Sea of Galilee, which is 680 feet below sea level. It's a freshwater lake fed by three springs. Uh, it's about 13 miles from north to south, and I think it's six miles, eight miles from east to west. So it's a decent-sized lake. Um, it was a huge fishing area for the region. That they, uh, they, they harvested a ton of fish that provided fish for Israel, not just Israel. It, their fish had been exported as far as to, to Rome, to Italy, uh, and that, that region, that there was strong demand for these fish. And so this was a huge commercial fishing area. And so Jesus enters the shore. And we'll see that these four guys are called. It's a, it's a story that's familiar to us. Um, you can read it at f- just really quickly and go, okay, there's not a whole lot there, Gunner. Where are you going to go with this? Um, some of you might be thinking, oh, Gunner's going to go really short. And so that's going to be good, you know. Um, before we get into the passage, I, I want to give you a little background of, of the sort of the educational program for the Jewish kids during this era, especially in the Galilee region. Um, we know that Jesus is about 30 years old as he enters the scene. Um, this would have been the age that a rabbi would get his start. Um, and it seems that it's time for him to pick up some disciples because a rabbi has to have disciples. So he needs to pick up his first, his first class. Um, the Mishnah or the oral law about uh, the things that happened during this era record that there were three potential phases for education for the kids during this, this, this period. The first is Bet Sefer, and it kind of depends on who you read, the age of these kids, but some say it was between 5 and 10, others say between 6 and 12. I wasn't there, so it's hard for me to say exclusively, but we're thinking, you know, kindergarten to sixth grade by our, by our time stamp. Um, this was all boys and girls would go to the synagogue. Attached to the, the synagogue, there would be a, a room, and there would be a Torah teacher who would basically use the first five books of the Bible to teach them how to read, write, and study. And the, the kids would, would literally memorize the first five books of the Bible. Not what the books were, but the content of the books. Um, so they would go through their process. And, and basically, by the time they were done with this phase, they were done with their education academically. The, the, the bulk of the kids would return back to their family trade to start learning and studying under their parents there were a couple of exceptions, you know, like any family, that if the dad's trade is like, you know, I don't think my business, what I'm doing, is going to be around in the next 20 years, he might find somebody else in the village to allow his son or daughter like, to study under so that they could pick up a different trade that might be more vital to them. But, but for the large part, the kids by either 10 or 12 were back with the family, studying the family trade, learning to, to grow up as, as an adult. At 13 years old, um, they were spiritual adults, that, that they, were, they were responsible for their own actions. As a little side note, um, that's kind of why we stopped Sunday school offering it at 12 years old, because 
we want the kids at 13, you're accountable to God in my, in my mind. And I think it probably happens a lot earlier than that. But we want you to be in and a part of the body growing and studying the word of God because you're going to give an account for your own life, um, not for what your parents forced you to do <laughs> at, a, at an early age. Um, an interesting side point, this seems to be the tract that Jesus was on. Jesus seemed to, to go through these three steps, although we have very little about him. Um, but I believe that Jesus would go on to the second stage of education, which was Bet Midrash. Um, before we go there, if you would go to Luke chapter 2, I warned you that we'd go back and forth to Luke. Um, and so in, at the very end of Luke chapter 2, we see Jesus at 12 years old. So he'd completed the first stage. Jesus went through all of this. It'd be terrible to be Jesus' Sunday school teacher, right? Like, uh, I mean, well, so we read, uh, where do I want to begin? I know I put 41. So 41 through 43, 46. Well, so, so the first, so verses 41 through 45 the family, like they did for the, the major holidays for Passover, would make the trek from the Galilee region all the way south to Jerusalem for the holidays. So they're there for Passover. It wasn't like his parents were irresponsible. The women traveled in front. Uh, the ladies were in the back. And the kids kind of like meandered wherever they went. They, they went in a caravan as a community. And so as they're returning, about three days on their return, the, like Joseph's to Mary, have you seen, you seen Jesus? I thought he was with you. I thought he was with you. Hey, anybody see Jesus? No, I don't see him. So they make the trek all the way back to Jerusalem, and they're not happy about it. I'm, that's me assuming as a parent, you know, um, because we're on a schedule. We got to get back. We don't have time for this. Or maybe I'm just worried about the upcoming trip of losing somebody. Um, but we get to verse 46, and we read, Then after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers. So, so we're going from the Galilee region down to the temple during the high holy days. And this isn't just like the, the religious leaders. We're talking, this is like the Ivy League rabbis. Uh, like if Billy Graham would be there and... Al Mohler, like all of the heavy hitters of the spiritual day are there. And so they find Jesus hanging out with these guys. And we're told that he was both listening to them. <laughs> A lot of wisdom for the 12-year-old who knows everything. Most 12-year-olds think they know everything, but this one actually did know everything. And, and he's listening to them, and he's asking them questions. And if you turn the page of my Bible, you'll see that they were astonished. These rabbis that were interacting with this young man, it said all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us? Why did you do this to us? But so this is, this is all we know about Jesus. We do see in verse 52 that he continued to increase in wisdom and stature as he uh, as he grew in favor with God and with man. Um, so I believe 
by what we see here, although the New Testament is very silent about Jesus' life from 12 to 30, there is a, a, a good, I think it's safe to assume that he continued his education during the religious track, um, that he clearly had religious uh, mentors in his life, but we don't know anything about that. But the next stage, why I'm saying this, so the first stage, Bet Midrash, he either went from five years old to 10 years old or six to 12 in that range. The second window, very few people would be um, young boys. The girls were done with their education at this point, but they would go on to Bet Midrash. And so from either um, 10 years old to 15 or 13 to 15, those that were gifted, had wisdom, they knew they could understand the scriptures, they were asked to continue their training, but it was a small, small number. Um, these were the best of the best of the community. The community would view these young men uh, that were in phase two of, edu- of training, they would treat them almost like the future elders of the community. They knew whether they made it to the next stop or not, that these young guys were exceptional in, in theological terms and understanding uh, what God was doing, and they knew that they would be the future spiritual leaders in their community. Um, they would continue their training by memorizing the rest of the Tanakh, which is the whole of the Old Testament, uh, to, through Genesis to Malachi. They would go beyond memorization, and they would be forced to dialogue and discuss and debate and ask questions of the teachings concerning, uh, like the commentaries concerning the Tanakh, and, and they interacted with the Torah teacher. And so when they finished this, most of them would continue to go back to their family trade, which they continued to study during the, the family trade while in this phase. It wasn't like they were um, stopping to grow with their family business. They were allowed to continue with this education while learning their family trade. And at 15 years old, they were done. And very rarely, there might be one or two or none. Like It just kind of depended of the crop of, of students. But if there was one that the Torah teacher thought, you know what, you have the capacity potentially to go study under a rabbi. Um, they would say, I've taught you everything that I can teach you. Um, you've, you've taken on my knowledge. There's nothing more that I can add to your, your knowledge. It's time for you to go see if you can find a rabbi um, that you respect and that he thinks that you have the capacity to, to, to take on his study, um, to take on his yoke is what they would refer to. I mean, that's to take on the yoke of the rabbi, their teaching. When Jesus says, my yoke is heavy, like, you know, I, I should have written it down. Um, too many files are in my brain to quote that one right, so I'm just going to, you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, <clears throat> so, but the third phase, very few kids would, would make this. So, so from age 15 through 30, thir- 15 years, they would walk with a rabbi. Um, this is called Bet Talmud. And uh, so if they had the capacity, if their Torah teacher said, you have the capacity, you need to go find a rabbi. The, they would do two things. The, they would search a rabbi that they respected, that they cared for, that they wanted to become. Um, this was the understanding of Jesus in Luke 6.40. He says, a pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. 
And so if you were a disciple of a rabbi at the end of your training, when you became a rabbi, if you became a rabbi, you would be just like the rabbi that trained you. And Jesus understood that his disciples, his pupils would be like him. And so they would go out. They would find a rabbi that they respected. They maybe heard about a rabbi. Uh, They would have limited spots in who they would take. And so they would meet a rabbi. They would ask him questions. They would sit there. Some suggested that the rabbi would ignore the kids for like weeks on end to see if they had the patience to endure his how he, how he dealt with them. Um, if they stuck around, then the rabbi would start asking them questions, start you know, quizzing them, seeing what they thought about such and such commentary, what this guy said about this text, how would you handle this. He's kind of interviewing them to see if he thought that they had the capacity to actually go through his course of training. So most, most would be like, hey, sorry, kid, I, your tour teacher, he, you must be from Nazareth because he, he's really not that qualified, so I don't want to take you on. Um, but some would get accepted by this rabbi, and then they would follow the rabbi, they would follow in his steps. Uh, you know, they're saying that to be in the dust of the rabbi meant that you had walked with the rabbi. You basically just became him through interacting in, in his life and watching him minister to people and care for people. Um, at the very end of your 15 years, most would be rejected and would graduate. And those people that didn't make it through the program, they would go back to their community and they would become the Torah teachers. And then those that graduated, they would become rabbis. Um, And so now we can go back to our text and we can look at our story. We don't know, like I said, we we don't know about Jesus in this period between 12 and 30 but when he enters the scene, they knew who he was. He was viewed as a rabbi. So I think it's safe to speculate, to say, you know what, Jesus became a rabbi. How, how he did that, who he studied, maybe he didn't study under anybody, but because of his exceptional ability to handle things, he was understood to be a rabbi. Uh, we know he's about 30 years old, and so we read our story. Second way through verse uh, 16, we read, He saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon. So Simon is Peter, and Andrew, who is his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. That's what they were doing. <laughs> That's what was happening there. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little bit farther, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending nets, immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they went away to follow him. And so the question that to think about is, I don't know what you guys think about when you think about the age of these guys when they were called, uh, I think due to Hollywood. We tend to age them a little bit older than they actually were. Um, you know, I think of like old guys with a big old gray beard, all really like muscular, like fishermen. And, but, but the reality is these were kids. Um, the only one that we can say conclusively was over 20 years old was Peter. And the reason that they deduced that is they know that Peter was married. And when the 
the topic of the temple tax was brought up. Peter was the only one that was sort of in question about the temple tax. So we know that you didn't have to pay the temple tax until you were 20 years old. Um, his being married would indicate that he's a little bit older. So he could have been anywhere from 20 to 30 years old. <clears throat> the rest, almost everybody thinks they were 14, 15, um, as low as 13 years old. <clears throat> we don't have their IDs to check, so we don't, we don't know. But taking the dating of their whole lives and the things that were happening, you can make a pretty strong case that these guys are between... 13 and 19 years old. Um, some have claimed that Jesus was actually a youth pastor. And so, <clears throat> I mean, think about it. Jesus is 30. He's not taking on 30-year-olds or 40-year-olds. He's taking on these young kids. Uh, when we're introduced to them, what were they doing? Fishing. What does that indicate? That they washed out of the system. That they, they probably only did the first stage and then went to their family business. Uh, if we... If we go to the end of the story, after the death, burial, and resurrection, when they encountered the Sanhedrin, they said it's clear that these are uneducated and untrained men. These are hillbillies. These aren't, these aren't scholarly guys. And so these guys have been told by the religious institution that they weren't worthy to continue, that they didn't have the capacity to continue their study. You guys are wealthy fishermen. You have families that have established businesses in the trade. Go, go do your family trade. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been felt rejected, uh, made to feel incapable, made to feel unworthy by others, but I, I certainly know that I have. I, um, as many of you know, I was, I was raised in an abusive home by a mom that was very witty with her words, but also very derogatory. And so all of the kids were raised with, with a harsh abuse towards us, uh, being told that we were unworthy, inadequate, incapable of doing anything worthwhile. She used harsher language. But, but it resulted in my striving um, for achievement to try to mask unworthiness, the, the, the brokenness that I felt inside from the abuse. So I thought, oh, being a Navy SEAL, that'll, be, that'll, that'll fix things. <clears throat> and I remember finishing Hell Week, getting in. You know, the big deal after you finish Hell Week is you get put on a brown shirt from a white shirt. So I thought, oh, when I put on that brown shirt, I'll feel worthy. Do you know what, guys? The brown shirt felt just like a white shirt. <laughs> They're like, this is miserable. Well, maybe I need to get the trident before I feel worthy. And I got the trident. It's like, this is a cheap little $5 piece of fake gold thing that the government gives to you, you know? And it didn't bring worthiness. Um, I think there are many people who don't feel loved and feel broken and hurt by people that they love. It could be a parent, could be a spouse, could be peers, um, but here comes Jesus to these four guys who we know have been rejected by the system of religious trades to, to a guy that was, this isn't a stranger to them. They knew who Jesus was. At 12 years old, he's in the temple. The whole region knew about this guy. He was exceptional. That's an understatement about saying that Jesus was exceptional. 
But it wasn't like they were unaware of that we don't know who Jesus is, but amongst rabbis, he's one of the top dogs. And so he comes to the shoreline, he sees these guys fishing, and he says, hey, come follow me. So Jesus broke the rules in that because in the equation, if you've caught it or you didn't, the rabbis didn't go looking for disciples. They had a very limited core of people, and people were begging to study under them, and very few people were accepted. And so when Jesus approaches them, they just drop what they're doing, and they follow. Dad doesn't get mad. This, this was a huge thing to be called by a rabbi. Um, what Mark doesn't tell it, like, there's so much more to the story, which makes the story, like, to me, even more impressive. Um, Mark just makes it sound like Jesus is just strolling down the beach. Hey, there's four guys fish. Hey, guys, why don't you come along? Follow me. But if we go, let's go over to Luke, I warned you. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, next book over, if you didn't save your spot. And Luke chapter 5 is Luke's account of these four being called. I love this story in the Bible. Um, so we read verse 1. Now it happened while the crowd was pressing around him, that's Jesus, and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. That's another term for the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into the boats, which were Simon's, that's Peter's, and he asked him to put it out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Now to put this in perspective, um, Jesus wasn't a fisherman. We'll start with that. that um, um, Jesus, we know his family was in carpentry. Don't think wood, think stones. It was like stone carpentry. Um, but he wasn't from a fishing family. Peter and his brother, they were fishermen. They knew how to fish. They, Mark kind of gives the account that they're putting out their nets into the water. Luke kind of picks up what they're done fishing. They're cleaning out their nets probably in the water. Kind of, it's a lot of work. This isn't just like reeling up and putting stuff into your tackle box. These are commercial fishermen who'd been out all night long. They bring a bunch of crowds down to, Jesus has all these crowds follow him. He sees two boats. He's like, hey, why don't we swing the boats out so I can sit in the bow and I can address the crowd. And he sees that they're getting hungry. And so he's like, hey, Peter, why don't you just... Uh, Push the boats out a couple, like maybe like 10 yards or so, and throw some nets down. And I just see Peter going, <laughs> we've been out all night. And, well, the fish weren't biting. They weren't, they weren't there to be swooped up. And Jesus, we've been cleaning these nets. This is like a few-hour process. But there was a level of respect for him. And he says, all right, guys, kick the boats out. Throw the nets in. I, like I said, I'm not really that much of a fisherman, but I've been around enough fishermen. Go, like, you get that many people, the fish are all scared. And it's like, you're just wasting everybody's time. But Simon goes through 
the motions of, of honoring Jesus' wish. Simon, verse 5, answered and said, Master, we worked all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they had enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they were beginning to sink. (coughs) This wasn't normal. Peter understands what happened. He has a very healthy reaction to divinity. Verse 8, but when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He says, you've got to get away from me. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. What you just did was a miracle. And they don't, miracles aren't normals. Miracles are called miracles because they're outside of natural laws that are given. He's a fisherman. He knows there's no stinking fish 10 yards out when there's thousands of people walking around the shoreline and screaming and kids running, like, he goes through the motion and he's like, oh, I must have snagged the line. <laughs> we got a real problem on our hands. There's so much fish here. He calls for the help and they're putting the fish in the boat till they start sinking. And his reaction isn't gold mine. His reaction is he falls on his face at Jesus' feet and says, get away from me, I'm unworthy. Verse 9, for amazement had seized seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. When they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. While he was in one of the cities, behold, oh, we're going into the next story. This is a powerful story. Um, You can go back to Mark. Jesus isn't just some unknown guy to them. This is a... This is a small area. Jesus, his announcement came through an angel to young Mary. There was John the Baptist who had a similar story in his conception. They're watching Jesus this whole time. We get the account of him being at the temple that was packed with people. And yet at 12 years old, he is swinging swords with the finest theologians of the day. And everybody's just impressed with this young man. I don't know who they thought he was at this time, but he he wasn't just a rabbi now. In this story, it was clear that he was the Messiah because you can't just pull off a miracle like he pulled off. And then this rabbi, who could have had any disciples that he wanted, he chose these four guys in the today's story that had been washed out of the program. And he says... Come and follow me. And of course they follow after him. 
This is, this is a huge invitation that has been open to them. And so they go. They abandon their family business. They follow after this Messiah, and, and crazy things are going to unfold in our story. Um, Why did they abandon all? Well, first a rabbi called them, who happened to also be the Messiah, who they recognized. And so as young men, these guys were asked to go study under a rabbi. How long were you supposed to study under a rabbi for? 15 years. How long did they get? Three years. Which I think about the Great Commission. When Jesus there after, like, they don't have any clue what's going on. I mean, Jesus has been executed. He rose. And now he's telling them, go and make disciples of all nations. Who makes disciples? Rabbis do. And they're going, we only had three years. How are, how are we going to do this? As we get forward a couple chapters in Mark, we'll see in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, that what Jesus called them to do was to spend time with him. We get to the story in Acts 4.13, after Jesus had ascended into heaven, they had healed somebody. They're on trial by the Sanhedrin, which is essentially the Supreme Court. They got to shut these guys down. Like, these guys, we thought we killed Jesus to end this whole movement, and here these guys continue. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, we read, Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed. And they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. The power of walking with Jesus is, is, you can't underestimate that or overestimate the power of spending time with him. Um, He'll change you. He'll equip you. He'll call you into things that you might feel a little uh, fearful of. But it'll help you. I, I can't, this, this, this feeling of these guys being rejected by the religious system to have Jesus call them. Like, like I, I don't know what, the, what you've been rejected by, but I guarantee if you're alive, you've been rejected by something. You've been beaten down. You've been broken. Um, in those moments of lowness, I think that's where Satan strikes I think of young relationships where Jesus says, like, hey, don't be unevenly yoked. But you think, well, I'm only 12. I haven't found my spouse yet, so I'm going to just land whoever walks by. That's this tool of Satan. What Jesus says is, I love you. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. We know that God has a plan for each and every one of our lives. And what he wants us to do is to come and follow him and to, to trust him and to do things his way. It's this, it's this beautiful love story. It's not just some man calling you, it's your creator calling you. and said, I've made you in a special and a certain way and I've created you to do things that only you can do. And you'll find your life's calling and most satisfaction as you're obedient to him and you live out your life according to his plan. In that moment, in that path, that's where the utmost peace is found. It's not always an easy path. We've talked, Mark, we're going to see that these young men, of the 12 who were called, 
you know, one turned away, and then of the other 11, um, basically 10 of them were executed for following after Jesus. One of them, John, wasn't executed, but he, he kind of was executed, but they failed. And because of the superstition of a failed execution, they just exiled him. So it's not necessarily a calling to a, an easy life, but it's, it is the calling that is the path to, to the most contentment any individual can have walking with God faithfully. I don't know what's holding you back. Jesus is calling you. He's, he's paved the way for you to be reconciled to him in relationship, that he went to the cross and he, the, the wrath of the Father was poured out upon him for the sin of the world. And we're told that he did this for us. It's, free, it's, an, it's a gift. Receive it in faith. For those of you that don't know Christ, I'd encourage you to, to, to give your life to him, to, to trust him. For those of us that have responded to the gospel, it's not like a one and done, like you did it way, when I was five years old, I walked the aisle, so I'm good. We're told in verse um, 15 that Jesus' message was this, active imperative to keep on repenting, keep on believing, keep on walking with him, being faithful to the things that he's asked you to do. And I can't answer that question for you, but I do know that as you spend time with him in the word, praying and saying, Lord, here I am, use me, he's going to place opportunities before you. And so my prayer for each one of us is that we would, we would walk with him closely, that we would allow him to have his way in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we are gr- grateful, Lord, that you call the people who have been rejected the throwbacks. I think of the Lord's words in the Gospels where he says he didn't come to the healthy but to the sick. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand uh, your love for us your calling in our life, your bidding that we all come and follow you. But there are so many things in this life that hold us back, our flesh, um, wealth, uh, a desire for you fill in the blank. But Lord, I pray that you would give us a glimpse into who you are, that we would get a glimpse of who Jesus was as Peter saw on the bank of the Sea of Galilee as his boat was basically sinking from the catch, he, he recognized Jesus for who he was. And so, Lord, we come to you and we acknowledge Jesus as Lord. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to not lose sight of who he is, that we would see him in all of his majesty and all of his glory. Father, help us to have the faith uh, that, requ- that you require of us to follow after you. We acknowledge um, that our faith is weak and we need help. We love you, God. And we pray this in Christ's good name. Amen.